I want to talk financial markets. We've got Larry Shover, the Chief Investment Officer, D. Alexander Capital, joining us this morning to help us with that. Larry, welcome. Uh, Thank you. I want to begin with how the ECB this week, the, uh, well, more aggressive uh, stance towards combating inflation. We mentioned at the top of the show the first rate hike we've seen in 11 years, and it really kind of shifted attention to the FOMC next week. It really did. And right now it seems like uh, we're in the muck. You know, Nord Stream 1 is back online in Europe, but somehow the market's not comforted by that. Um, seems to be a lack of confidence in that new transmission prevention instrument. Its details are flaky. Um, underwhelming growth uh, with PMIs, like bring back the center stage. And yes, it does point to the Fed meeting on, on Wednesday, especially the forward guidance. Um, Fed fund futures, last I look, we're pricing in a 78 base point um, hike. So the market's not fading the Fed right now. ECB failed to provide that forward guidance. You wrote in your notes that uh, for U.S. rates, this is basically a non-event. I, I, well, I, I think it's going to be a non-event to the extent that um, we're, we're going to, you know, the market's pricing in that hike and we're absorbing um, underwhelming PMIs, except for in the UK, it was definitely a world beater, but I do think it's going to be a non-event, although um, these things have a way of, uh, of changing uh, dramatically day to day. You know, Larry, earlier in the show, we were looking at gold, how it's kind of holding a support level around the 1700 area. You've got copper, silver, though, opening up the door out of a range that we've been in going back to uh, fall of 2020 levels. Can you talk to us about uh, commodities, reflection of the central bank, this hawkishness, this tone that they've taken and ultimately the impact it could have on growth? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, all of them have been uh, near their support. In fact, I think oil is uh, near its 200-day moving average. I haven't seen that in a very long time. Um, right now, it seems that there's a lot of like professional positional swings in some of these commodities, and that's sometimes an excuse, but a lot of speculative positions have reversed. Um, so that, that that's part of it. And I think the other part is that there's growing divergence between headline and core uh, numbers, and I think that's affecting or, or at least bringing to question whether we're going to have demand destruction or not, depending on what commodity we're talking about. Larry, in terms of the dollar index, uh, it's come off the highs from last week up around 109. This week kind of comfortable around the 106 handle. Um, uh, the euro off that parity uh, low that we saw last week and, and trying to regain composure, I guess you could expect that with the, uh, again, hawkish tone from the ECB. Uh, we talk about how the dollar, again, it's tough to tell sometimes whether it's the tail, those foreign currencies wagging the dog or what's really influencing it. But it looks like uh, you think some of the weakness has been tied to uh, U.S. economic data here, which has softened some as well. Yeah, I think a little bit, um, although the, the data we're seeing overseas is, is nothing to write. Yeah, no, about. it's not much better. Right. Yeah. And so perhaps a little bit of a convergence, perhaps just coming down to earth. Um, when it comes to the various crosses, like right now, I, I think the euro is unbuyable against the dollar. And that's probably a time when you should buy it, when you think it's unbuyable. But um, I think there's so much lack of detail going on in the eurozone. And you have coming into winter with the gas flows, um, war in Russia or in Ukraine. Political crisis. I mean, with, with Draghi, yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, it's a lot yeah, of confusion, to say the least. 
Yeah, the list goes on and on. And so I still am a long-term bull in the dollar. Um, it's not to say it can't have pullbacks. We saw a pullback. And like I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, it has so much positive risk premium embedded that if anything comes out that's not dollar positive or dollar neutral, you see a quick reversal. Well, I can understand why you're uh, bullish the dollar when you see this weakness in the euro currency. This is a weekly time frame, a weekly candle. So we're going all the way back to uh, the beginning of 2000, June of 2008, that spike high, we saw up around 160 down to, again, the parity level that we saw last week. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on the yen, because when you're talking about central bank activity and the really hawkish tone that we've seen, whether it's from the BOC, uh, the Bank of Australia, I mean, the list goes on in terms of uh, the, the, the uh, rate hikes that we've seen, but yet the Bank of Japan this week, uh, completely different story. And even the data this morning, I mean, it looks like inflation's kind of easing there some. Yeah, and boy, have they has the Bank of Japan been very vocal about uh, their stance of not being hawkish and do and keeping the the doing whatever it takes mantra to uh, get control of their yield curve and their currency. And so um, I, I think it's a buy relative, but I wouldn't buy it versus the dollar. I probably buy it versus the euro. That's perhaps an idea right there, but. Um, all that to say, um, they're stuck in the mud, and they've been very, they've telegraphed very well. And it's been fascinating to see that trade. It's going to be a volatile trade going forward. Larry, I want to dig into your thoughts a little bit more in terms of Treasury rates, the yield curve. But before we do, just real quick, uh, the pound, obviously, a focal point as we headed into the beginning of August, right? That's the BOE they're going to be announcing after the FOMC. And, and any other foreign currencies that you think we should be watching and why? I still I still maintain to watch the Australian dollar. It did pop um, since the last time I was on, and it was really just dumb luck because I said like if you feel like we're going to have reflation, which we haven't had, I, I thought Australian dollar would be a buy, a cheap way to get exposure to that. And I was wrong. For, I was right for the wrong reasons, which is okay. But I still think going forward, it continues to be. Uh, a cheap way to get exposed to reflation in a reflationary environment if you feel like we're going to have one. Uh, Larry, moving on here, yield curve inversion obviously tied into, uh, you know, well, possibly the dollar coming off a little bit. We've seen a uh, longer end for the most part relatively stable. The shorter end seems to be uh, doing the heavy lifting there. Can you talk to us about um, what you're seeing in terms of treasuries? I've been mainly just pointing out how it seems like well, kind of like the indices, range bound, holding inside the June highs and lows. You've got the TNX in a similar pattern, three and a half to two and a half. We'll call it 2.6, 2.7-ish. Yeah, uh, the 210 slipped to negative 25.7 overnight, which is the second most inverted we've seen uh, in this cycle and very, very close to the all-time, not all-time, but the, the cycle low. Um, the five-year um, outperformance has been, and, and the inversion that we're seeing is consistent with the market thinking the economy at some point will slow down and the Fed will have to put on the brakes at some point, not even reaching terminal. So, of course, it's a big difference what, whether we talk 210 or 530 on the yield curve. But when I see the five outperforming, it's just more of a convincer that we'll continue to see this flattening play out until further notice. Larry, any projection, any uh, thoughts in terms of um, when you think the Fed will have to slow down, whether it's just kind of ease in terms of the rate hikes or ultimately start to lower even maybe? 
Yeah, I don't think they're going to reach terminal, but I think it's going to be first or second quarter, probably okay. second quarter next year. Okay. Uh, and that's just rolling the dice and looking at the um, euro futures and seeing uh, the probabilities of, uh, of Fed funds. But I think with perhaps late first quarter, early second quarter, they'll be putting on the brakes. Larry, I wanted to get your thoughts on Bitcoin. Obviously, uh, you know, a focal point for many as it tries to find support here still uh, has the bulls, I, I guess, up against the ropes when you look at it, uh, holding below 30,000, still convincingly, but well off, I think it was the 18,000 lows that we saw recently. But if you kind of still get into that bigger picture, which is what we try and do here for the most part and avoid that kind of tick for tick granular uh, discussion in terms of price activity, I mean, well off the 69,000 all time highs, where do things stand? The industry's trying to recover, it looks like that risk on or kind of cautiously risk on sentiment that we've seen off the June lows, uh, Bitcoin's uh, trying to benefit from some of that as well. Yeah, and as we talked last time, it's just trying to find a new home. And I'm very impressed with the recent price action in Bitcoin. Um, it's been in a very uh, narrow yet volatile trading range, and there's been more volume than I expected. And so it's, it's just trying to find that new home. And um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it slowly but surely rally, maybe back up to 28 to 30,000 before everybody will say, oh, I should have bought it at 22. Um, but right now, it seems to be fighting its way through a very narrow, volatile and volatile trading range. S&P's NASDAQ Dow Russell above the 50-day moving average this week and holding above as we head into this Friday morning, while Bitcoin, on the other hand, still below. So there are some interesting divergences that are out there, and I guess it really points to what we've been seeing in terms of central banks and investors and uh, some of the uncertainty tied to it. There's a fair amount of unknowns out there. Larry, I always appreciate you joining us here. Great breakdown this Friday Thank morning. You. Thanks for sharing part of yours with us. Larry Shover, the chief investment officer at D. Alexander Capital.